everyone, and welcome back to the Lions Den podcast, episode number 47. I'm your host, Fanny, and I have a very special guest with me here today. Um, this is uh, the first time I'm speaking to a person from this profession, uh, so I figured who better to speak to than this specific individual. She has an amazing social media presence. She's very bubbly and out there, so I'm excited to talk to her today. But uh, without further ado, everyone, welcome Nardine. Nardine, how are you? Hi, Fanny. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me on. So uh, usually I start by asking how, you know, how life has been since COVID, the pandemic. And it's crazy because it's almost a year now. Uh, But how has your last year or so been with the pandemic? Um, Mm. I guess, has it affected your personal uh, slash professional life at all? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't been affected by it been That's a pretty true. life-changing yeah. event for many people. Um, yeah, it's been um, a roller coaster, I guess, to say the least. It's a, a challenging time, and we all have to learn to adapt and work with it and continue to, you know, when, you know, when it comes to professional or my professional life, you know, how do we how do we continue to provide a very essential service in a safe way? And, um, you know, how do we adapt to the times and make sure that, yeah, everyone feels comfortable, both, you know, on the practitioner side as well as patients. So absolutely. Now, you mentioned practitioner patients, but let's break it down for our listeners. Can you just share what your title or position at the moment is? I'm a chiropractor. <laughs> OK, perfect. So um, I'm excited to talk about this because I feel like it's underrepresented. And I personally don't know too much about the profession, um, like other than that I know that a chiropractor helps you with your back. That's pretty Mm -hmm. much what I know. I don't know much about the education path, so I'm excited to sort of pick your brain. But um, I I guess that's a good segue to talk about, you know, how you got to this path. So uh, I guess when did you first fall in love with this? Like when did you decide that this was going to be the path for you? Yeah, so I didn't always know about chiropractic. Um, I guess I – a lot of – a lot of the times people who go into the profession had a personal experience with it at some point. So whether they had a motor vehicle accident or a sport injury, and then, you know, they encountered a chiropractor at some point in their journey and it made a huge difference in their recovery. Um, but that was not my story. Um, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, I entered undergrad with the, you know, knowing that I wanted a career in healthcare, I wasn't a hundred percent certain on what that was going to look like, but I found out about it by accident. And the more I learned about it, um, and that was reading and shadowing and getting treated myself, the more I grew to love it. I had always been the type to want to understand anatomy and physiology and getting to the root of a problem. Um, I like Even from my childhood, <laughs> something as simple as taking an Advil for a headache never made sense to me. Yeah. Um, so it just really fell in, you know, it was a really good fit with my philosophy around healthcare. And I loved that I get to work with my hands, educate patients on healthy, active living. Uh, I have the ability to diagnose and understand how the body works as a whole. And so it just had everything that I wanted. Yeah, and that sounds very, very interesting. So did you realize this like mid-undergrad or did you head into undergrad with a different career in mind or were you set from high school that this is exactly what you were going to do? So it was, I think I wrote in my second year of undergrad that I found out about it. Okay. Um. So yeah, it was, it was kind of like almost, I guess it was halfway through. I, un- I only ended up doing three years of undergrad, so it's about halfway through and um, 
my first thought was, is this legit? <laughs> is this a real thing? Because I had no, I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Um, but you know, thankfully, it is legit. <laughs> it's a regulated healthcare profession. <laughs> and and it's funny you bring that up and ask that question because my next question to you was going to be like, was there any reaction at home when you brought this up? Like, was I don't know what your situation was like, but um, did you ever feel any pressure? culturally you know to choose a certain career or to go a certain path and and in like a lot of egyptians they really because they don't know too much about a profession they kind of assume the worst of it um and considering you and i you know we grew up here and we at that and you at that point don't really know much about chiropractic like your parents probably didn't know much at all so what was the reaction like for you yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, starting with my family was a bit, there was a bit of an education process that had to happen. Thankfully, my parents had always been very open-minded and not really pressuring me one way or the other. They trusted that I did my research and I knew what I was doing. Um, so, you know, it was helping them understand what it was. Um, it was a challenge for sure, because honestly, you don't really understand it until you go through it. Um, you know, being a patient and then in the process of becoming a chiropractor, that's when you really start to get a good grasp of what it is that we do, why we do it, um, how we help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, within the Egyptian community, there isn't a whole lot. It's actually um, definitely growing. I'm seeing a lot more people uh, being interested in going into the profession um, and actually, you know, going to school for it. Um, but I was, I wasn't the first, but I was, you know, probably one of the early adopters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and why do you think that it's increasing now more than before? Do you think it's just the fact that people are being more educated on it? Uh, or like, if you had to guess, what would you say the reason would be? Yeah, there's certainly more awareness about what it is. Um, and people are, I guess, are encouraged by seeing, um, people graduate from this program and have really successful careers and do really amazing things. Yeah. I think there's also uh, people are starting to realize that they do need to um, enter healthcare with a bit more of an open mind. Um, traditionally, especially when I was going through high school, you know, if you're going into healthcare, it was either medicine or pharmacy. And people are starting to discover that there's more to healthcare than those professions. They're obviously wonderful careers and absolutely essential. But uh, our healthcare system thrives on diversity, and everyone's important. Every healthcare professional is important, um, and so people are starting to explore different options. Let's start with the education. So, can you talk to us about if I want to become a chiropractor? And I know this, and like I'm in grade twelve, I'm applying. I know that that's my end goal. What's my process going to look like uh, from there? So, um, to so the way it works in Canada. Um, I'm assuming you have a mostly Canadian audience. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Percentage-wise, it's like 90% Canadian. Okay, great. Then that's perfect. That makes yeah. it simple for me. Um, so there's only one chiropractic school, in, in one English-speaking chiropractic school in Canada, I should say. Um, so in order to go into the chiropractic program, you first have to do an undergrad. Um, so to be eligible to apply, you have to have minimum three years of undergraduate credits. Um, I found going through school, majority of my classmates had a full four-year undergrad. Some even had a master's. But like wow. I said, I kind of took the fast route. I did the minimum, <laughs> applied and got in, and thankfully it all worked out. Yeah. Um, so the school is in Toronto. It's called the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College. Um, it's accredited, obviously, but not government-funded. So our tuition is about a billion dollars a year. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly. 
<laughs> roughly. <laughs> um, and so it's a four-year program, and that consists of uh, basic sciences, clinical sciences. There's a lot of hands-on uh, cadaver dissections, which is super cool. Um, and then the final year is a 12-month internship, which is the most exciting year. So you're doing two six-month rotations in different settings. Um, and you're working under the supervision of a licensed clinician providing patient care. And then during that time, you're also taking the three parts of the national board exam. And then there's finally the provincial jurisprudence exam before you finally get licensed. Yeah. So it's a super, super intense program. You're taking like 15 to 18 courses at a time. And you, uh, by the end of it, you feel like you're, uh, you're an expert on taking exams. So. Yeah, well, I can imagine. Yeah. And, and you said there's one English-speaking school in Canada. So that's very, very competitive. Can you... Can you allude to that competitiveness a little bit, like how tough it is to, to get in here in Canada? It sounds like it's very tough. It is. It really is. Um, so like you said, it is competitive. So they take 192 students a year for each class. Um, so it is uh, you do have to have a strong GPA. You also have to um, interview well because that's a big part of the process as well. So mm -hmm. um, so it's the, the two components there um, that, uh, you know, make you, you know, determine whether you get in. <laughs> is there a standardized test, a standardized test for it, like the MCAT, that PCAT? No, no, there isn't. Thing? And oh, actually, okay. even when it comes to the undergraduate credits, um, there aren't any prerequisites at this time. Which is something I'm finding a lot of post grad programs are starting to go away from um, having to like, like you could do an undergrad in like the fine arts and you could still get in. Like you get don't have to take a okay. science course really. Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. I actually didn't yeah. know that. So so with a business degree, I can apply to chiropractor school, and I mean if if all goes well, my marks are there. I interview well. There's a chance I can get in. Because I mean I feel like you have to have some sort of scientific background. Yeah, and ma majority of the people do. I would say okay. eight, I, if I had to put a number, maybe like 80% of my class had actually specifically a kin degree, okay. a sociology degree. Um, that was the most common thing. That's, I think, what most people who know that they want to go into chiropractic school um, will take as kind of a preparatory thing. And yeah. it is honestly helpful to be exposed to that material before. Like you, we do learn it all very into like the biomechanics and the anatomy and everything very intensely during school. Yeah. But mm -hmm. seeing it the first, like seeing it outside of that is definitely helpful. Um, yeah, for in terms sure. Of, yeah. Now, another question I had for you with regards to the profession, Nardine, is um, like we know with law, you can become like criminal, corporate, uh, um, whatever kind of lawyer you want. There's different options like medicine. You could do surgery or internal, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, with chiropractor, are there different options that you can do? Like, can you talk about the career options for once you're done or, or is everyone that finishes like you're all heading sort of down the same path? Yeah, so um, once you graduate and you're licensed, you can go into, you know, clinical practice right away. Some people do choose to do further education and, and do a residency program, um, and where that's when they become kind of like a specialist in certain areas. Um, so there's a couple residency programs that are recognized here in Canada. Um, and then, you know, if you have a special interest in certain in a certain area, um that's also something you can kind of do informally if you take like continuing education courses in that. Okay. Um, that's, you know, that's always an option as well. It's really what you make of it. There's a lot of flexibility there. Um, some people don't go into clinical practice at all and they go into to research, which is also wonderful. Interesting. Um, yeah. 
So even with clinical, you can like specialize. Let's say I want to specialize in a specific type of injury or accident. Like, is the are there chiropractors that it's like, oh, you had this type of accident? I'll go to this guy because he deals with that really well. <laughs> yeah. Like, does that some, exist? Some people build a reputation for certain things. Okay. Like you know, some people are just like really good at treating the jaw, <laughs> and some people are really good at ankles, and um, they just kind of make a name for themselves in that, just with having more experience or more courses in those things, and okay. um, that's how they market themselves. Uh, so yeah. Very interesting. Sorry, I'm asking the questions that like very basic because I want to just like extract all the information, right? Because it, it's it is confusing and. I'm personally asking these questions as if it's for me. So I, I appreciate you answering all of them. Um, let's talk about the role of a chiropractor in our in our lives and everyone's lives. Like, what is your role as a chiropractor and how would you benefit me, um, just the average person? So if you have a spine, you need a chiropractor. Okay, <laughs> that's a good start. That's a good start. Um, it's honestly, it's often about quality of life. Uh, it's it's. There's this mentality that, oh, you know, I have neck pain, but that's normal. But I challenge people and I say it's common, but it's not normal to have that pain and stiffness. And you don't have to live with pain or reduced mobility. So essentially what we do is we keep people moving and feeling well um, and keep their bodies functioning optimally so that they can continue to do the activities that they love to do. Um, and my personal experience, I think... Like I said, like I didn't have a big like injury or something that introduced me to the profession, but um, I definitely felt the um, I have a whole new appreciation for it now that I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm six and a half months pregnant, and um, you know during this process, I really got to see the value and effectiveness that um, you know chiropractic care provides, especially as you know my body changes and adapts to this whole new thing. Um, so it's a, it's, it's, it's really, really opened my eyes to, um, how essential it is for everyone. And you're approaching a very, very exciting chapter in your life. So six and a half months pregnant, you're almost there. And we were just talking, you're almost on your officially on your mat leave as well. So it's getting real. Uh, any, any last minute things that, uh, well, uh, probably a lot of last minute things, but, um, how excited, I guess, were you, this is like a totally off base question, but how excited were you when you like officially found out that you were going to have a kid? Cause it's your first one, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that feel? Because like? you're around my age. You're like, I think you're my wife's age. So it's very real when people our age are like doing it, too. Right. So so tell me about like that feeling. Yeah. So it's both exciting and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's one of those life changing things. And, uh, you know, I, I expected that motherhood would change me like when it when I actually become a mother. Yeah. Um, but even the process of being pregnant has I felt like changed me. Um, and, uh, as a person and, um, I can imagine because your whole thought process changes now, everything you're planning is, it's no longer just about you and you're all, you're almost always thinking about that person, even if they're not there yet, they're in the back of your mind and they're in in your future plans. So yeah, that's very exciting. I'm happy for you guys. Thank you. (laughs) Um, but let's, let's divert back to the topic at hand. So anyone with a spine can benefit from a chiropractor Um, is, is most of your work. uh, Are you, do you guys bill insurance or do people pay you directly? Like how does, how does it work with chiropractic? Yeah. So, um, it's not covered under OHIP anymore, unfortunately. Um, so most people have extended health coverage, um, and majority of clinics will, you know, you have to pay up front and then you can take your you know, insurance claim and get reimbursed later. 
Um, some clinics do direct billing, um, but that's the majority of the time that's what you're doing. Kind of similar to, um, you know, when you go to the pharmacy or you see your optometrist or any of that stuff. So Yeah, I just want to know the thought process as to why they took that off OHIP. <laughs> Political like, reasons. I, they just, they're always looking for ways to <laughs> cut. To just cut, 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 right? Yeah. I, I feel like that's a pretty essential service. It is, and it's really unfortunate because when we look at the data, um, Chiropractic care is one of the most cost-effective things you can do for especially managing low back pain. Um, When you look at, you know, the average person who might, you know, go to their family physician first for low back pain and, you know, the cycle and the pathway that they go through compared to if they went to a chiropractor and and all of that stuff, it's um, it does save the healthcare system a a fair bit of money, but maybe someday. (laughs) Maybe someday, maybe with a new regime. You got to run. I'll vote for you. (laughs) You'll you'll bring it back. So um, let's talk about, you know, the actual professional experience, because uh, we talked about a lot of the academic and, you know, how to get there and the the theory behind what it is. But we never talked about your actual hands on experience. So can you talk to us about what was your first working experience like? Were you nervous for it? Like, did you did you? realize that there's so much more to learn when you actually started or were you ready to go when you first started? Yeah. Um, so my journey as a new grad, uh, I think is very similar to many people. Um, when chiropractic school prepares you to be an excellent clinician. Um, but there's all of this other stuff <laughs> that, uh, you know, there's just no time to learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so part of that is, you know, communication with patients and, you know, just managing a practice, um, there's so much that you learn on the go. Um, and, you know, I was really lucky to have a lot of mentors and support and helping me learn. Um, and, you know, I continue to, to grow and learn throughout this whole process. And I think I will probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> which, is, which is wonderful. Um, you know, you know, when we're sorry to cut you off, but you know, when we're younger and, you know, older people telling us like, oh, you know, you're always going to learn. doesn't matter how old you get. You learn every single day and your teachers are saying it. And I don't know about you. You're probably a much better student than me. But I was like, come on, man. Like, there's no way you're learning new things every day. Like, you know, everything <laughs> like you know, you're, you're the teacher, you're this, you're mom and dad, like, you know, everything. Um, and now that you're in it, it's, it's fantastic. How, like how often you're learning new things, even about stuff that you do on a daily basis. Um, so I think, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It just came to mind. And I thought that was, uh, it reminded me of that. I was just thinking about that the other day. For sure. Like part of being a professional is coming to terms with the fact that you're going to be a lifelong learner. And there's a reason why in order to keep an active license, we have certain hours of, you know, continuing education that we need to do. It's because it's so important. And, you know, the research changes all the time, too. You have to stay up to date with everything. Absolutely. Um, So what was it about the patient experience? Like, talk to me about that, because when you're I'm assuming when you're in school outside of the 12 month uh internship where you're most likely dealing with patients um are you dealing with real patients in those first three years or like up until that point or is it more just like dealing with stuff in in a lab in class like hands-on stuff so uh my experience in school and i can speak to um you know the like my what my my school was was like and how we worked um we had a simulation lab, which was super, super cool, where we had mannequins on force sensing tables where we would start there with like doing drills and kind of learning how to modulate our force and what we're looking at. 
um, there really is uh, an art to what we do with the, in terms of spinal manipulation. So um, kind of learning to get a sense of how to use our body, because it is a psychomotor skill, uh, learning to, to treat. Um, so there was that to start at the beginning, and that uh, component actually stays with you throughout the entire time. You're always finding yourself back in the sim lab doing drills and practicing and fine-tuning your skills. And then there's um, and then there's the technique labs where you're working on your classmates. <laughs> so we start by learning palpation, which would be, you know, how do we landmark, you know, where we are in the body? So how do I know what segment of the spine I'm at, for example? Or um, how do I landmark this muscle? Um, and then learning how to assess at that point. So what we call motion palpation or, um, you know, just like kind of figuring out, okay, well, what's the issue? Where, what, what needs to be worked on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually practicing the adjustments or spinal manipulation. And uh, this is always broken down by an experienced clinician who is working with us in a smaller set, small group setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of watching our form and telling us how to, you know, how to troubleshoot certain things. And um, so it's a, it, it comes to about, I think, a thousand hours of training um, in that very specific, like, you know, uh, area. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I was actually worried a little bit when you said that we're working on other students. I'm like, wait, <laughs> so wait, are all these people just getting their backs adjusted by students? Like, uh, but you know, it's heavy, heavily supervised. I was like, that's very brave of you, Nardine. I, 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 I commend the effort there. We joke that we, we sign our life away to science once we enter school. <laughs> actually, though. Yeah, but but it's it's great, um, especially getting to learn on different body types and everything. Unfortunately, right now with COVID, my sister currently is in chiropractic school, oh. um, and so now it's uh, they're very limited in working with a very very small group with PPE and everything. But um, to limit contacts with other people, they're working in yeah. very small settings. So unfortunately, you know, means that you're not getting that exposure to a lot of different types of bodies. But I'm sure that at some point, you know, they're they're going to get that you know very necessary experience. So yeah, not worried about them. Absolutely. Um, first, I want to say shout out to Nancy. Uh, good luck to you <laughs> going know. through school. And uh, <laughs> second, I want to ask you, like, do they do they actually train you guys at all on how to interact or deal with patients, like the human aspect of of talking to these people? Because I'm assuming sometimes when they come to you, um, they're not in the best mood. Like they don't they're not really <laughs> happy to be there. They're not happy about what they're feeling. Um, so there's got to be like ways of dealing with that kind of attitude or or person. So do they train you on that? And if they don't, like, how did you find that adjustment when you actually hit the real world? So during school, there were actually um, a couple different ways that uh, they would introduce that type of training. So in our like our clinical small group settings, um, we would have patient scenarios where uh, the tutor or, you know, the clinician teaching us would um, kind of work through a scenario. Sometimes they'd even act <laughs> as the patient themselves. Mm-hmm. And it, there was always, you know, a challenging aspect to it. Um, you know, if someone's upset about something or, you know, there's there's a some sort of problem-solving component to it. We also had uh, sessions in labs where we would kind of role play different things. And we would, so it would be a small group setting where, you know, someone would play the doctor and then someone else would play the receptionist and someone would play the patient. And there was a scenario that we had to navigate. And uh, then we would, you know, do that scenario and then debrief on it after what did we do well? What could we have done better? 
um, you know, what was the issue at hand? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's always, um, you know, practical testing and, and OSCEs and uh, those kind of things, which also challenge you in that, in that setting as well, being able to identify, um, you know, a challenging situation and getting your brain around how, how to work through those things. Oh, so there, so there is an OSCE exam for you guys. Absolutely. So, oh, very that, interesting. Uh, okay. yeah, so it's all in preparation for the final. So the third part of the license exam is an OSCE. Um, but every year throughout school, you have a final like end of year OSCE. Uh, so you end up doing quite a few of them by the time yeah, you get yeah. to the, the end. That, that actually makes a lot of sense, though, because like I was saying, I feel like you are dealing with a lot of people that need to be catered to in a specific manner. And like it's very important to have that experience. Rather than just to be like thrust into this field with like the hands on practical knowledge, but no actual like interaction skills and mm-hmm. communication skills. Um, I guess that's a good segue to ask. Like, can you talk about some of the challenges that you face in this industry, whether it be on you personally or just as a chiropractor in the healthcare field? Yeah. Um, so, first of all, most people don't know how to use chiropractic in a sentence. That's the first challenge. <laughs> I, I think I've botched it like 10 times in this interview alone. <laughs> No, actually, you've been doing great, but I've heard some very amazing variations. So you do chiropractics, chiropractory. Chiro- chiropractory. That's my. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one was great. But, but in all seriousness. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it is a hard word to use. Yeah. But in all seriousness, um, I would say being a woman uh, in the profession is probably one of the most significant challenges that um, I personally faced. I think even from the moment before I even started applying to chiropractic school, there was always this doubt of, oh, that's a man's career. That's too physical for women. Um, and then being in practice, um, I guess there's that, uh, you know, there's a bit of imposter syndrome going on. And, you know, you'll hear interesting things from patients. Sometimes it was said to my face and sometimes it was said to, you know, the front desk <laughs> about, you know, comments about my size, my age. Is she old enough to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone, I think it's a very common problem and everyone deals with it in their own ways. But, you know, what got me through it was having, you know, solid mentors and role models to look up to and just like, finding your footing and getting grounded in your purpose and what you do. And now that's, you know, that's not even something that I think about anymore. Um, I, I, so I, thankfully, in my past, but you know, for any young woman going into the profession, I, you know, I, you know, expect that there's going to be challenges, but you can get through it. Um, we all go through it and just, you know, you know, stay firm in who you are and yeah. be authentic. So, so that's so. I want to ask you, like, when you personally go through these experiences and these things happen to you, like, obviously now down the road when you've experienced it, you know, however many times you have, you you adjust, you find a way to deal with it, you pivot. But at first, it, it's got to feel a little bit discouraging. Like, can you talk about like how you personally took that negative feeling and and made it productive? Like, turned it around and and said, you know what? I'm not going to process things this way anymore. Or were you just, you know, naturally just, I don't, you know, I don't care mentality. (laughs) So at the beginning, I think I I felt, I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself. And then eventually I realized that that's not productive and it's not going to achieve anything. Um, And it just motivated me to work harder um, and, you know, to refine my communication skills and how I carry myself and, um, you know, portraying that confidence is uh yeah would be how i i dealt with it 
in your professional experience, you're getting to see a little bit of how a clinic is run, not just in terms of how you're dealing with patients, but how everything is done in terms maybe not, you know, all access to it, but you get to see the different hats that like, uh, a, like a clinic owner would have to wear in terms of like, how do I market my clinic? How do I take care of my people? How do I, um, you know, make sure everyone's paid on time and make sure all my stuff is done accordingly? Like, has it crossed your mind a to start your own clinic and be what you would need to learn in order to actually start your own clinic. Cause I always talk to people who are professionals in their field who end up starting their own business and they go like, I'm an expert in this field. I'm not an expert in business and I've had to adjust and learn so much and I'm still constantly learning and it feels like they're kind of playing from behind. But um, have you ever thought about starting your own clinic and have you thought about what you would need to do in order to, to put yourself in that position? Yeah. Um, so I think at various points in my journey, even as a student, you know, the thought comes across your mind of like, oh, will I be a business owner? And um, so I'll actually tell you a story of how I kind of got to, you know, knowing what uh, where I fit in all of this and, and all of that. So in my final year of school, I, you know, I was really struggling with figuring out what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And um, I was on a uh, an actually an outreach mission trip with um, with my school every year prior to COVID. We would do this um, this chiropractic outreach uh, in the Dominican, uh, where okay. we would see patients. Um, you know, it's a very select like twelve groups, twelve uh, twelve interns under working with two clinicians. And, um, you know, in the evenings we would kind of like sit and, you know, talk about chiropractic and all these things and career and everything. And, um, I sat down with one of the clinicians and I, I asked her, you know, um, what do you think if I start my own practice and, you know, go into this entrepreneurship thing? And she looked at me and she said, no, you're not ready. <laughs> and yeah. this was super hard to hear because on this trip, everyone's just like on a high from like all of the, um, you know, amazing things that were, you know, all the amazing patients were getting to help and the things we're getting to see. And yeah. it's like, you feel like you're at your peak. And then this was just such a big gut check because I realized then how much I still needed to learn and to grow. Um, you know, she told me like, you know, you're not, you're not there yet. Like, you don't like, it's just like, I've been watching how you carry yourself and, um, it was refresh. It was it was hard, but it was also refreshing to talk to someone who wasn't just going to tell you what you wanted to hear and just kind of inflate you. You know, she told me like it was, and um, so it was like okay, like I I know now that um, there's still there's still a lot more of that. You know, besides learning like all all the things you said, like marketing and all of the you know technical aspects of the business, there's a personality that. I think needs to accompany that. So I all to say I knew it wasn't for me right out of the gate. And at the beginning of my career, I would have told you, I don't even have an interest in being a business person. I just want to be yeah. a clinician and not have yes. to worry about all those things. I want to go home and sleep at night. Um, but I am starting to consider it more and more. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to, you know, all those skills, I think that, you know, just like any professional program, They'll prepare you to be an excellent clinician, but the business skills are always going to be lacking. Um, there's just not enough time to go through all of that information in the way that it deserves. And if it is part of the curriculum, most of the time it's introduced at the end when students are burnt out and just don't have the capacity to take all of that in properly. Um, so 
I think everyone needs to find their own resources when they get to that stage. If that is something that they want to do, um, open up their own practices, you know, find, seek out those business resources. And thankfully, our yeah. associations um, really do provide a lot of support in that sense um, and, and guidance. So um, so really grateful for, you know, I, like, you know, the information's out there. Um, you just have to be willing to put in the work. So yeah, absolutely. And to, so I want to ask you, like, uh, to that point. You, so you're sitting down with this uh, clinician, and they tell you, "Hey, you're not there yet. You're not ready." Um, what do you think at that point you needed to work on personally to get to the level where you would be, maybe not a hundred percent ready? Because I don't know if anyone's ever a hundred percent ready for that kind of stuff. Um, but what do you think that you needed to work on? in order to prepare yourself or at least put yourself on the path to go that direction? I think it was, uh, if I had to, to kind of narrow it down, I think it was my confidence and, and leadership skills, which was also really surprising to me because at that time I was president of one government, you know, student government association and vice president of another. So I thought, you know, I had this leadership thing down pat, but you know, there was still something missing. And I could tell even sometimes in my clinical internship that, you know, there was something there that you need to work on. And it's, it's so, it's so tough because it's, it's not a tangible thing you can put your finger on, but, um, but, you know, just learning, you know, learning how to talk to people and relate to people and kind of guide them along the journey and, um, help them understand what's going on, why you're doing it, and and all of that. That's I feel like that's all part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Nardine, before I give you back the rest of your weekend, I just want to ask you um, one last thing. There's always a transition from uh, school to profession, right? You think that, like I personally finished uh, school, I did HR in school, and then I ended up working in recruitment, but my knowledge uh, of recruitment, based on you know heading into the job was very minimal even though i did a whole education and then actually working in it opened my eyes like i learned so much more about it and um i actually ultimately learned that it wasn't for me interestingly so i want to hear from you uh your professional experience like what did you learn that you didn't know about this field just from the academic portion uh from your working experience and has that opened your eyes in any way has that made you think about things differently at all or or are you just enjoying every step of it? <laughs> well, I am enjoying every step of it. <laughs> but um, that doesn't mean there isn't something that I kind of learned on the go that I didn't, yeah. you know, feel like I got through practice or through school. Um, and uh, I would say, like, there's a there's a real art and science to practicing as a chiropractor. And in school, there's a huge focus on the science, which is absolutely essential. Um, but then the art of the practice is, is what distinguishes you and really helps you get to that next level. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that includes communication, like I mentioned before, you know, being able to see the person in front of you and understand what's important to them, being able to recognize patterns or anticipate issues, and even sometimes knowing when less is, when less is more. Um, all of that comes with, I think, a lot of experience and just being able to, you know, seeing more people and getting your hands on more people, um, it, it really, you know, it helps you evolve as a professional and get better and better as you go yeah, on. Absolutely. Now, I just want to say, Nardine, thank you so much for mm-hmm. your time. I know um, every piece of your time right now is valuable considering, oh, you know, your, your stage of life. So I wanted to wish you luck again uh, and congratulate both you and uh, Sharif on this amazing thank step. You. Yeah, and I'm... I- uh, 
I wish you all the best, honestly. Thanks so much. I actually have a final fun fact for you to close off if you <laughs> don't Please, <mind. laughs> absolutely. So most of your audience is Coptic as well, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. So did you know Jesus was a chiropractor? I did not know that. <laughs> Luke chapter 13, verse 11, it says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and, and could no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So there you have it. What more do you need? He's a chiropractor. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. And you know what? I actually, honestly, Nardine, I remembered one more question I had for you. So if you don't mind, I actually do have oh, one sure. more question. Um, right now, especially like, especially with COVID and everything, I feel like there's an Instagram page popping up for everything. You know, mm -hmm. everyone who has a skill set or a hobby or anything like that. Like I'm running like four pages of my own and then I'm every day I'm getting followed by everything. So I want to hear from you because I'm seeing a lot of healthcare professionals now take to Instagram, take to social media, especially when you're doing hands on stuff to show like um, shout out to one guy, Mike, Mike Ross. He's from our church. He just started a mm -hmm. physio page where he's mm -hmm. doing legitimate like physio exercises on video. So I want to hear from you. Like, is there value in using social media in your specific field uh, or would that not really apply for you? Yeah, absolutely. There's value there. Um, and like you said, you know, this is a huge area that a lot of different healthcare professionals are exploring and doing really innovative things. And I think it was born out of necessity, really, because, you know, we're now all in our homes and yeah. our only interaction with the world seems to be online. So I've also seen a shift in, in how the public wants to consume information. Um, they want, you know, quick wins and tips packaged in an entertaining form. Um, so like, you know, stretches and all of that stuff. And yeah. um, I, I call that edutainment. I, I didn't invent that, <laughs> word, but I heard it from somewhere else. And this is like this that. is why TikTok and Instagram Reels are blowing up and becoming so popular. Yeah. Uh, you know, they want either, you know, something that they can something that they can take away of, of value or even have a sneak peek into, you know, what your practice is like. So they know what to expect to come in. Yeah. Um, and then even getting to see who you are as a person. Um, is, is also actually a really big decision making factor, like a big factor in the decision making when it comes to choosing a provider. They want to know, well, you know, yeah. is that person, are we going to click? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, isn't it funny how like 10 years ago, people would never ever want to put any of their information on social media. And now it's like a like company policy to have a social media presence. Now it's like, well, <laughs> welcome to the clinic. Uh, we need you to see like 10 patients a day and create two TikToks. Uh, that, that's like a KPI now. So it's yeah, funny. times are definitely changing and you know, we need to evolve and yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Now I think I'm ready to give you back the rest of your weekend. Nardine. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. This was fun, Fetty. Enjoy your weekend, too. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Nardine. Thank you for coming on the show, Nardine. I appreciate your insight on, on what it means to be a chiropractor, what they do for the world, um, you know, especially the education path. I thought we focused a good amount on that to, to share with people, you know, what it would look like if you're, if you're looking to go that route. And um, she brought up a lot of great points on the call. And I, I love the fact of, you know, heading into the healthcare field with an open mind. I think that's... Um, that's very important in my opinion. I think that too much people, too many people rather put too much pressure on themselves uh, by, by, you know, holding these high standards for themselves and saying it's either this or, 
or nothing. And I think that um, there's definitely value in keeping an open mind and seeing what other options that you may have as well. Um, but with that being said, thank you everyone for the suggestions. I appreciate your time. And uh, I'm looking to come at you next episode. You know where to find me, listener, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And until then, I'll see you.